little tiny American Jesus. <laughs> Friends, this is Morgan Snyder, and welcome to another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. I'm just laughing out loud. Um, it's that phrase has been floating through my mind and heart for about two months now, the little tiny American Jesus. I think where it came to me first, I'm just struck by there, there's just a human nature, just in our in our fallen nature, that we want to buckle things up and figure things up and make them manageable and make them predictable and make them safe so that we can be at peace from circumstances rather than become the kind of person that knows peace that surpasses understanding, as the scripture says. And I believe that every person is in the process of losing the gospel. And it's every person's charge to participate in God's recovery of the gospel as God sees it in each of our hearts. I think often rather than centering on the reality that we are created in God's image, so often we find ourselves trying to make God in our image. In other words, we, we, we create this thing of the category of God that's something that is simply meant to make our world work. If we just notice the motive of our prayers— I was praying over my kids this morning and just praying over Joshua's football. And at first, I'm just praying for safety. And God knows I want safety for my son. But I was also aware of my motive. Some of the injuries that I've had in my story, both physically and spiritually and emotionally, have been the greatest conduits to accessing God and his kingdom. And so what are the motives behind what we pray and how often do we find ourselves making God in our image? I so appreciate what Dallas Willard once said, where he said, God and his kingdom cannot be canned. It cannot be controlled or produced on demand. God cannot be standardized or brought to a point at which God can be dispensed by one human being to another. Friends, what is God really like? What if we were to break the limits that we have placed on who God is and what he is doing and how he is doing it? Whatever our story is, I believe one of the great battles in the journey of the soul is to break agreements with limits that we've placed on God. To actually God permission to be all that God intended to be in us and for us and through us in the full measure of a Trinitarian reality, the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So in this next session, we explore one kind of piece of what would it look like to begin to break those limits. Let's dive in. Father, thank you for always refreshing us and reviving us. We ask that you would breathe your life into this place, fresh wind, fresh breath, fresh life. Even as this wind moves through camp and the weather shifts, 
God, that you would move like a rushing wind in this hall and in our souls, that you would open our souls as your sons up to the more that you have. Your scripture says that you portion out heaven. You're a father who parcels out heaven and that you strengthen us by your spirit, not a brute strength, but a glorious inner strength. That as Jesus comes to live in us, we are strengthened to open up the door, inviting him in even further. And so I ask that our feet would be firmly rooted in love, that we would today on this afternoon expand our capacity to receive you, God, your extravagant dimensions. God, to trust that you love to plumb the depths, to rise to the heights and call us into the fullness of life, nothing less than what you have. Your scripture says that you can do anything, God, far more than we can imagine or guess or request. And so, God, that's our ask this afternoon. Would you do more, more than we imagine, more than we could guess, or more than we could request in our wildest dreams? Your spirit working within us deeply and gently. Amen. The greatest hindrances to the gospel are the limits that we place on who God can be and what he can do and how he can do it. I love Dallas um, once said, God will say to us everything we're capable of hearing. So the question isn't, what is God saying? The question is, what are you capable of hearing? What are you ready to hear? And I'm just aware that there are limits all over my life. They've been placed on who God can be, what he can do and how he can do it. Dallas said, God cannot be canned or controlled or produced on demand. He cannot be standardized or brought to a point where he can be easily dispensed by one human being to another. He wants to be known as he is. And what I want to explore this afternoon is what are the limits that we place on who God can be and what he can do and how he can do it. God gave me the question for this intensive, well, he proposed the invitation of, I want to go as deep as we've ever gone. And he keeps asking me, how deep do you want to go? How deep do you want to go? That's a very vulnerable question because I, I don't know if I want to, really. And, and just by way of example, this session, so it's just funny that it's on breaking limits and like I spent the afternoon rewriting it. I don't have my notebook here. Just have a bunch of chicken scratch. And, uh, and it's generally on a topic on breaking limits, but I really felt like this is the one place Mostly, I don't want to go. The false man in me hates to talk about this because it's the most vulnerable, it's the most frontier for me. And where I want to come into this is that at the essence of this mission is recovering our identity as sons. How have you learned the Father? The seat of love and validation because the Father bestows validation in a way that 
No one else can. Do you have what it takes? The purpose of God coming into sonship is so that we can go even deeper into a place of learning God as mother, which is actually a deeper reality. To know God as mother, because father bestows validation, but mom bestows something that's so deep, we, can, we can't even remove ourselves to see it objectively, but it's something of self-worth. It's knowing that you're loved for your sake, as you are. You're more than enough. And God is more than sufficient to satisfy your every need and desire. The seat of mother has been so violated. And the trauma is actually deeper than the trauma of fatherlessness. But we can't even get there without the fathering and the sonship because it's just, it's, it's, it's too precarious. You have to remember that God is, um, this is the term that one of my mentors uses, I really appreciate, gender full. He is the full expression of whatever it means to be male and female. He created in the image of God, male and female. That flows from his being, his essence. And so God is both fully male and fully female. And that's just, that's beyond wrapping our mind around, but our soul needs to receive that. Mother was meant to give the sense of self-worth. And I mentioned this morning, Brene Brown is a fantastic researcher, data with the soul, they call, they call her work. And she does a lot of data gathering. And she studies shame. And she did a study on shame resiliency and, and asked the question is, what is the, the way in which you can be most resilient to shame? That sense of unworthiness. And because she quickly was able to put people in one of two categories. They're either shame resilient or they're not. And in all the research, everything pointed to a deep sense of worthiness of love and belonging. And so my question is, um, what have you done with mother? What have you done with the category of mom? You see, Jeremiah says, before you were in the womb, I knew you and I had holy plans. I had sacred intentions, but then you were placed in a womb. It's your most vulnerable and most needy state. We, our conscious memory can't access this, but our soul can. It's very important. And, and so the first nine months of your development were in your mom's womb, every one of us. We came from that place. What was your mom's life like when she was pregnant with you? And then we come into this world so vulnerable think if you have children that moment. I remember when I walked out of the hospital with Joshua, I remember that feeling of like, you're, you're just letting us like walk out with this baby. <laughs> you know that feeling, you're first born. You're like, really? Like, do I have to check back in with you? Or like, what do I do? It's so vulnerable. But a little child was meant to have everything that it needs right here in mom's chest, in mom's breast, fully satisfied robust well-being. It was meant to be the safest place to be accepted, to be welcome because you exist. What, what has happened to that seat in your soul? 
because to recover peace, to recover joy, to recover what God meant when he meant you, we must take the restoration of recovering God as mother. Because it's beyond consciousness on some levels, it, it is just, it's risky. It's, it's God beyond limits, trusting in his goodness and his good intentions. Joshua and I were talking, we were talking about smells. There's this fascinating book, Social Animal. Um, I can't remember who wrote it. Does anyone recall Social Animal? He's a writer for New York Times, fantastic book. Hundreds of research studies cited, and it talks about of all of our senses, actually the most um, central to our experience of reality is the sense of smell. And if you lose the sense of smell, categorically research shows that people that suffer the most development um, disorder are people that lack the sense of smell. You can do it without sight, without hearing, but smell um, reaches into our soul. And we were talking about this in our house and last week, and I asked Joshua, what, what smell makes him happy? I wish I had a picture um, of this moment. He said, you know, Daddy, you know what smell makes me really happy? The smell of garbage trucks. <laughs> and I was like, what, what, what is the deal? He said, actually, sometimes I go outside when I hear him coming just to smell it. And I was like, what is the story? <laughs> well, to know a man, you have to know his story. He's 13 now. He's this towering little, you know, this guy. Well, his one and two-year-old, so Abigail was born when he was three. So his first three years, he had just mom and dad, but he had mom to himself. And age one and two was pretty much defined by Sherry following construction sites for Joshua to watch heavy machinery and garbage trucks. And they would walk around the neighborhood and follow garbage trucks, and he'd get to pull the lever, and all the garbage men knew him, and he was just mesmerized by these trucks and the noise and the power and pulling the handle. But mom would hold him, and they'd walk hand in hand. And so he doesn't know it. But now he's this towering guy that really is kind of moving away from mom. The happiest smell on earth are garbage trucks because his soul knows I'm perfectly safe. I'm perfectly loved. I am fully satisfied. Isn't that fascinating? There are smells that will take us to geographies and pieces of our story. Uh, for me, this is a very messy part, and it's very vulnerable to talk about. Since before all creation, he predestined that he would be mother and father according to his pleasure and his will. It's where we come from. It's home. It's where we're most welcomed, and it's being restored. It's being restored. It's a seat that's so deep, it's so uncomfortable, because when we begin to receive kindness and a sense of worthiness, of love and belonging, it frees us. It frees us from self-sufficiency. It frees us from performance and so much that entangles us from becoming who and what God meant. You know, for me, the spiritual practice of, of yoga has just been a wild story in my life. And it took Sherry three years of asking me to show up at a class. It took her three years to ask me to, to, before I said yes to go to counseling. And I remember that process. I, it, it was years after practicing that I realized the power of it was actually in being mothered. 
to be in an environment with feminine love, to be around women that don't need anything from me, that's holy, to be nurtured, to be touched appropriately in love, to have kindness. You know, that they say things in yoga like try easy. Like I didn't understand what that meant. But, you know, they'll say things like, where's your edge? Now just come off of that 30%. Like that's so foreign to me. Wherever the edge is, we're going to go beyond it, right? Like back off, be kind, try easy. Where you are is okay. Those things didn't have files in me. But now I do it all the time. It's a practice of being mothered. It's amazing how it's actually healed so much of my marriage because what, I, what we don't know is that our broken soul brings our need for mothering to Eve, to our wives, and she resents it in sub subconscious ways because she can't be mom. But once she's released of that and she's free to be just our wife, then actually through feminine love, we can be mothered. It, it can flow through our wives in some odd sort of supernatural way because it's God mothering us. John came into my office after the Australia intensive, and there was a very short window between having a mission with my family, coming back here and facilitating this. And I shared <laughs> stories of what God did there, and then John walked into my office and gave me a big hug, and he said, and now what's your plan for soul care? And I said, first of all, how kind is that and loving? And I said, oh, I'm going to take time after this next intensive. And he's like, let me ask you again, what's your plan for soul care? And, and it was a very mothering offer. And he basically said, take off, like, go take care of your heart. And I, so I had the snow day, and I just took off. It was a free day that was unexpected. And the very first thing I did was head to wilderness. When I'm off trail, I'm happiest. And bushwhacked and went where I like to hunt antler sheds and tried some new ridges. And, and I'm just bushwhacking and find some beautiful antler sheds. And I'm sitting on top of this mountain. And it's windy, and it's warm, and it's hot, and it's cold, just a day like this. And I just feel this intimacy of mothering. And then I made a physical therapy appointment for all these problems with my neck and compounding with stress. And I go to this physical therapist, and she's this little teensy thing. I'm laying on a table, and she's just working all the muscles in the base of my neck. And I can just feel them releasing. And I look up at her eyes, and it's, it's mom. Do you see that? It's shifting, and it, it, it's, a, it's a sacredness, because it's not Amy Shepard. It's what's coming through her. She doesn't even know she's doing it. She's just doing her job. But I have now a heart to receive mothering. And so where are you receiving kindness? Where do you give yourself permission to receive at all? Where are you nur nurtured and nourished? When do you feel fully, fully satisfied with robust well-being where you're overflowing and spilling with joy? To recover and restore the seat of mothering and to integrate that with fathering will heal your heart and set you free in ways that are what I prayed this morning, beyond what we could ask for or imagine in your wildest dreams. That's what he does. 
Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come, you who have no money at all, come and eat. Come, have wine and milk without money and without cost. Come, eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come. Come to me, hear me, that your soul may live. God, these are deep waters. These are very, very vulnerable places to risk. Risk opening up the places that long to know that we're loved, that we're worthy of belonging, that we have home that we have family, that there's a place that we are safe, a refuge from every enemy that doesn't require anything of us, a place where kindness prevails and that you nourish us and nurture us, that you can satisfy with robust well-being, we would be satisfied. And as you say in Isaiah, that we would be like a river in our souls overflowing its bank in springtime runoff. God, we invite you into this place, this seat that longs for you to mother us, a safe place. We invite you here. God, forgive me for even trying to figure it all out in my head but I lead with my heart to risk receiving you. God, I, I push off every limit that I've placed on you. In this place, I need your mothering. I need comfort that only comes from heaven. I need nourishment. I need care. I need kindness. And I need love. I ask you to love me until I can love myself, until I can accept your acceptance of me. God, through your work in Jesus and the wild leadership of the Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to come even to the memories beyond my consciousness when I was in my mom's womb, in the years beyond the reaches of my memory, invite you into all of it. And I ask that you would come and heal and restore, restore, heal, restore, deliver me, give me peace. God, I want to believe that you can mother me in a way where I can actually burst with joy, and I can feel 10 feet tall, not from my accomplishments, but from accepting love. I do forgive the places that I have been wounded in the seat of mother by my mom, by other women who have hurt and harmed and needed and required and demanded 
God, I acknowledge it. I acknowledge the trauma. And I do forgive them so that I might release them and entrust them and their story to your care. And God, I ask that you would disentangle my need and my reach for mom from those women so that I can turn my soul back to you as the source of all mothering. God, I'm asking that you would make a way where there is no way and that you would guide me and lead me by day and by decade into ways to receive your heart and strength and food for me in the place of needing mothered. Friends, this is deep waters. This is exploring some of the greatest depths of both pain and promise in the human predicament. And you're very courageous if you've come this far. Uh, It's not intended to be a category to figure out. Our our mind just has a a capacity to oversolve things. It's meant to be first um, received, first experienced as a reality of the mercy of God coming to care for you as a mother. I taught at a local church on this topic and have the teaching posted as a blog from June of 2018 titled Receiving the Mother Heart of God. If at all this is resonating with you, I encourage you to go to that blog post, Receiving the Mother Heart of God, and you can watch a video and dive into other resources as well. Friends, we're featuring content from the Become Good Soil Intensive, the most recent one, 2017, never before released, in preparation for accepting applications for the upcoming intensive here in Colorado at Spring Canyon in 2019. Applications are being accepted now, and you can find out more at becomegoodsoil.com. And we pray that God continues to use this content to take you ever deeper. We'll see you next time on another episode of the Become Good Soil podcast. Thanks.